Amen. Thank you. Well, I'm going to have you guys take a peek at the, um, at the screen here, and we're going to look at um, this passage that's up there, and the letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians in chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Uh, the main thought in, in, in this passage, although there are some pretty good ones in there, uh, is this idea that Paul uh, uh, wrote and, and emphasized was that I press toward the goal. And I think, I think we, uh, as we turn the new year and leave behind another, I think it's a good idea for us to consider that, um, you know, there are new goals, but also the same one when, when we walk with Christ. And that is to press toward the goal. Um, some interesting things about this particular letter, I think, are worth uh, mentioning as a background for you this morning, is that he wrote this uh, uh, letter uh, from a prison cell. So it's one of his prison epistles. Uh, this letter to the Philippians has been described by scholars as the happiest of his writings. Imagine that. Uh, those who study these, uh, these books of the Bible, those that are, dedicate their lives to the writings of all of, all of the uh, apostles, uh, they, they mention that in spite of the fact that he's writing it from a prison, that it's one of the letters with the happiest message and themes. You would think it would be quite the opposite, wouldn't you? But that's not the case when we belong to Christ. And another thing that, uh, and in this particular section that we're going to look at, Paul's going to emphasize the need for uh, the Christian in his walk with, with the Lord um, as one who continues to reach ahead. In other words, to uh, drive toward the goal, towards the prize. In spite of where he is, we know that he's waiting for his, um, his death. He's waiting to be um, put to death for, and what was his crime? He was preaching the gospel. And so the perspective of Paul was he considered that to be the greatest of honors. And serving his Lord, his death sentence meant that he was pushing toward the goal that God and the prize that the Lord had for him in particularly. But I believe this is written to all of us. So in this particular verse that we're going to look at, so I'm going to have them move the screen. If you don't mind standing, I'm just going to read uh, from 12 to 17. In, in these verses that we're going to look at, um, we're going to see um, all the details. And hopefully it's a blessing to us. Hopefully we can capture something out of it to motivate us, to encourage us, to keep pressing forward, to keep moving toward the prize, the goal. So it says this, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize 
of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The next slide says, and kind of gives a summary at least of this section. He says, therefore let us, speaking to the church, as many as are uh, mature, have this mind, and if anything you think, or rather, if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. So let's pray for the sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you again this morning for uh, this time together for us uh, to um, dig deep into your word and allow your word to speak to us and to bless us this morning. Father, give us, I pray, uh, what we need to hear and so that we may have this same attitude, this same mindset that, that Paul's encouraging the believers to have and the reasons why. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so go ahead and have a seat. So we see um, that he's talking about a goal. He's talking about a prize. Uh, and so we, in order to understand what that is, we kind of have to look back a couple more verses before what I put up here. But that's okay. I'm going to give you a summary. Before this, these verses that we have up here on the screen, uh, starting there with verse 12, Paul had, had stated that he had counted all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, his Lord. He, he considered everything less than for the pursuit uh, of knowing the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. In other words, he, he found that knowing Christ was the most important thing. So we see immediately that it's about a relationship. It's about knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, our Lord is alive. Our Lord lives. We don't serve, we don't worship uh, uh, doctrine and rituals and rules and ceremonies. We worship a person. And his, his desire was to know him better. He also wrote that he wanted to gain Christ and to be found in him. So he, he wanted to more of Christ, and he wanted to be found in Christ. And there's only one way that we can be found in Christ, and that's by faith. The righteousness that allows us access to, the, to our Father in heaven is found in our faith in what Christ did for us at Calvary's cross. The right standing with God for us is not found in anything we do or don't do. It's in our trust in the righteousness of Christ, which is ours. In other words, Christ's righteousness or right standing with the Father is found in us putting our trust in what Jesus did for us at Calvary's cross. And he wanted to gain more of that. And he wanted to know the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. I think he writes that. Those were found in verses 8 and 9 and 10 of this very same chapter. So there's a context here. He knew he was headed toward uh, his death. He had already received the death penalty. And in spite of that, he says, hey, there's still more to be gained. There's, 
There's the power of his resurrection that I want to experience. He knew that death wasn't the end. It was merely the beginning. So even in life, in the most difficult of things that we may go through, even, in, even death itself is a victory for the Christian. That's not easy to say unless you understand it and believe it. So whatever happens to us in this life, it shouldn't rattle us. Because even if it took us to our death, we would be better off. Because we've been in the presence of Christ. And I know a lot of people think, oh no, well, you, we need to readjust our thinking. This, is, this life is temporary. Nobody has it guaranteed. And what's interesting is this, this last couple months, uh, I, I lost uh, a, a, a coach that I had for football in high school. I went to his, his uh, um, uh, ceremony and I, I ran into a lot of my ex-teachers and classmates. I, last, I found out this week that a, another one of my classmates passed away. And then you think to yourself, well, wow, they're not, they're, they're kind of young. Because I consider myself pretty young still. I still hope and pray that, but the bottom line is that we just don't know. So what, how do we look at life? What are, we, what are we to do? It's the end of another year. We're going to begin a new one. We keep pushing forward. We, we, we continue to strive and move toward the goal, the prize. So that's what Paul is referring to when he says here that uh, he hasn't attained. One of the things that I came to understand as I was studying for this this week is Paul's constant wanting to know more and push toward the reason that the Lord called him. Why did the Lord have his encounter with Paul on the road to Damascus? And we know he called him a very special task, and that's to be the apostle to the Gentiles. That's to take the gospel to the world. And we're reading from one of his letters right now, 2,000 years removed from the event of his calling. What I discovered is I was reading more and more about Paul and trying to get a really good grip of what he's saying here. Uh, I realized and I thought to myself, wow, Paul is just like David. He's a man after God's own heart. Someone might say, what does that mean? He's a man that wants to know the Lord. He's a man that wants to understand what God's will is for his life. And he wants to be there. That's what we press for. We should want to know more of the Lord in an intimate, personal way. We should want to know why he knocked on the door of our heart and if we're accomplishing that. So he was a man like David after God's heart. I hope we are of people that are after God's heart. We're per, I hope we're pursuing God. Because believe me, the whole Christmas story that we just spent a, a good amount of time talking about for the last couple of weeks and preparing for, right? Christmas Day. That's about God pursuing us. It's about God seeking and uh, uh, looking for that uh, which he had lost. He pursued us. Are we going to pursue him back? That's what this is about. So he says, I haven't already attained, verse 12. I'm not, I'm not already perfect. 
or perfected. You know? He's saying, uh, in other words, I'm not trying to say that, uh, that I've already achieved these things or that I have already uh, fulfilled or uh, reached perfection. He's saying, I haven't arrived yet at this goal, at this prize. Uh, in other words, he's using in this particular letter, we'll see a word in a, in a little bit, that refers specifically to running a race. He's, he's using this, these words up here, this, these phrases that we're going to look at in a minute, uh, uh, in the same way that you would talk about someone who's running a race, but he says, I haven't finished it yet. Now, maybe soon for him, and maybe soon for us, we don't know. But in the meantime, we're, we're in a race. And notice that he's, I really want to emphasize this, he hasn't attained it yet. He hasn't arrived. Please, please don't ever think you've arrived. That's the arrogance, that you've made it to the pinnacle. You haven't. None of us have. It's very obvious that we haven't because we're still here. I mean, that's not to say. It's pretty obvious. God takes his best students when they're ready to graduate. Because we hear a lot about when we go to a funeral and we hear the words, oh, he graduated. He actually, the person did. Because they went to a greater and a higher place. Eternity is... There's no way to even describe the glory of God's kingdom that we're going and headed toward. We have to keep that in mind. So he hadn't arrived. He hadn't finished the race yet. And he also speaks against this idea of perfectionism. Nobody can look down on someone else and believe they're better. We're all in this race at different places in the race, but none of us have arrived. So perfectionism is not the goal. Let me emphasize that. Okay? Perfectionism, by the way, I think is one of the uh, false... It's, it's heresy. Because if we could attain perfectionism on our own, why do we need Jesus? We don't. We can't. So that, get that out of our minds is what he's saying here. I haven't already, um, and, and he's, I said, I have, uh, he says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected. The race isn't complete, is what he's saying. He stresses here that he's not perfect, that he's still involved, in, and let me see if any of us can identify, as we walk with Christ, even though we're coming to the end of a year and beginning a new one, I wonder how many of us understand that we're still involved in the struggles of life in a fallen world. We're still involved in a fallen world and the struggles of this life. Just consider, for instance, how many people you know that are struggling financially. How many people are struggling with their health. How many, how many people are struggling in their relationships? How many people are struggling to reach uh, certain goals or objectives in their lives? All of us are in that journey at some level. So he's, he's not reached the finish line. That is to say that he still hasn't attained the full glory of what's in waiting for us. 
None of us have, right? That's still in the future. We still have a goal. That I, all of us sitting here, based on what we're reading here, we all still have a prize waiting for us, ahead of us. So we can't stop running toward Christ. We can't. We're not there yet. I found a couple other versions in this particular, uh, it says, so I haven't already attained, or am I already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I love this verse. This, this is my life's verse. This verse has absolutely laid hold of me. Oh, wow. It's exactly what the verse says. He says, I want to lay hold of that for which Christ laid a hold of me. So if Christ has laid a hold of you, don't you want to lay a hold of the reason for why he laid a hold of you? Let me put it in the King James Version is how I learned it. He says, I follow after, instead of saying I press on, I follow after, because he's in a race, we're all in a race, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. So I want to apprehend that for which I was apprehended. This has been the most inspiring verse of all the Bible up to this day of my life. I want to do that too. I want to know why he got a hold of me. I want to hold on. I want to get a hold of why he got a hold of me. That's how you could say it. The English ver Standard Version, which I usually use today, I'm reading out of the New King James. It says this. It says, "I press on," similar to what we're reading there, to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Hold on a, hold on a second. I, 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 I continue running the race toward a finish line, is what Paul's saying. Sitting in a prison, knowing there's this goal and there's prize ahead. So prizes and rewards should motivate us. We realize that one day we'll stand before the Lord and we'll give an account of what we did and didn't do. I would rather him talk to me more about what I did than what I didn't do, wouldn't you? We realize that. I had someone one time tell me, oh, you should never speak to, about how, the rewards that we will get. Why not? He does. You should follow the Lord just because you love Him. And I do, and you do. But there's not just re following Him just because He loves us. There's actually rewards. There's actually a goal. There's actually a prize at the end. Almost all of us, we don't go to school and sit in the classes. Sometimes they're so boring and long and, and terrible, you know, just like misery. We don't just sit there for the fun of it. There's credits to be earned that lead to a diploma. We're not just doing it for the fun of it. He says there's a prize, and the prize is Christ. That's the prize. 
to be with him for all eternity. That's the prize. And there's nothing in this life. That's why he said in a couple of verses earlier that he considered all of this rubbish, lost for Christ's sake. Believe me, in the scale, this whole life cannot weigh or measure up to in any way comprehensible what we're going to receive in glory. So quit feeling sorry for yourself. And start looking at the prize, at the goal, the finish line. That's what he did, and he's sitting in a prison. There's so much more. And we're, we'll see in a minute, I'll kind of get ahead of myself. So this verse absolutely has captured me because Christ has absolutely captured me. I want to lay hold of, I want to, I want to know why he made himself known to me. That's the purpose of our life. Right? Again, look up there. Verse uh, 12. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I, look, I, I always use this analogy. I haven't taught this. This is not the first time I've mentioned this verse. I want to grab a hold of the reason why he grabbed a hold of me. He grabbed a hold of me. I want to grab a hold of him. Do you see the, the picture? A lot of us, he's grabbed a hold of us, but we're just floundering out. We haven't grabbed a hold of him yet. He's got a hold of us, and thank God he does. If he were to let us loose, where would we be? And he's asking and waiting for us to grab a hold of him. And not let go. That's why he said Paul is just like David. He's a man after God's own heart. He's like Jacob. He would not let go of the angel until the angel blessed him that night that he wrestled with him all the whole, the whole night. He wouldn't let go. And that's how we should live and walk our lives in, in, in pursuing Christ. So yeah. I'll give you an idea, and this, you don't have to go there. Uh, I'll, if you want to write it down, that's fine, so you can re refer to it later. Uh, I know when you go back and like, review the sermon, yeah, like, like all you guys are going to do, right? <laughs> on the way to Damascus, or as they would say, on the road to Damascus, Paul in chapter 9 of Acts he was on his way to persecute Christians, arrest them, and some of them were even put to death. He was there when Stephen was stoned, holding the cloaks of those that stoned him. So he was complicit. And on his way to the, uh, Damascus, and on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians, he was suddenly knocked down to the ground, and in verse 4 of Acts 9 to verse 6, the following is said, we hear a voice that says, Saul, Saul, that's what his name before it was Paul, 
why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? So he knew it was a, div a divine person. He knew it was God. He said, uh, I am Jesus. Who are you, Lord, is what Paul asked. Jesus said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. That's verse 5 of Acts 9. And then he says to him, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. So here we have in that very moment when Paul was apprehended. When Paul was laid hold of. When he was captured by Jesus. I'm going to tell you this. If you know Christ, you've been captured, but he captured you. Thank God. Otherwise, you wouldn't be captured. Right? Otherwise, you wouldn't try to lay hold of him if he didn't lay a hold of you. So he had been, in that very moment in the book of Acts, he had been capt captured by Christ. And here Paul is saying, even though that happened many years before, I'm not there yet. I'm not at the finish line yet. I know he's, that I've been captured for that which he has wanted me to capture. In other words, what does he want us to do? And bottom line is, reach heaven. That's the goal. I want to possess that for which Christ possessed me. So there's always a balance. Let me say this about God's call. There's always a balance. He calls us. He seeks us. He captures us. But we have to respond by faith. So there's a balance. It's not always, it, it, the Lord, many are called, but few are chosen. Why are few chosen? Because when you're called, you have to call back. You have to respond by faith. So many are called, but only the chosen are the ones who respond by faith. And say, yes, come into my life, Lord. I want to follow you. I want to take up my cross. So here's the question, and, and, and here's the message, really, in a nutshell. I'm not even done yet, but I can kind of lay it out there for you. We should all ask, why did Jesus lay hold of me? It's a very serious question. What are we doing messing around and not trying to lay hold of why he laid hold of me or of you? Do you understand that you will find the purpose for which you were created in pursuing Christ? The condition that we find ourselves in humanity of sin, the fallen nature of this world was not what God designed for us. Sin was not what God designed for us. When we live in sin, when we live in disobedience, we are living less than what He created us for. We're living literally in darkness and we're living in misery. When you come to Christ and repent and walk away from those things that He never created for us to be involved with, except the enemy came in and stole from, from what God had promised us. When we live in Christ... And in his will and purposes is when we will find 
and realize the reason for our lives. My best moments of the week are right here, right now. This is why he called me to, to him. This is what I'm doing right now. Everything else is preparation for this. And when I get a phone call from you, or when I hear, get a text from you and say, Pastor, prayer, Pastor, uh, I have a question. That's, the only, that's my primary reason for life, but to take care of my family and to take care of whatever God has put and given me to be responsible for. If you don't live there, you will live in, you will live an impoverished life. You will live constantly and consistently below what you can achieve, obviously by His grace. We need to press, as He's saying here, on to the goal, to the prize. So in verse 13, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But there's one thing I do. So he's saying, I haven't arrived. I haven't completed. I haven't finished the race. I'm still in the race. We're still all in the race. But he says, there's one thing I do, or I focus on this one thing, is what he's saying. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We're not to look back. The Christian doesn't look back. The Christian looks forward. I just asked myself, and I've always... I get told you again, this is my life's verse. I've read it and I've studied it and I've pondered it for years. What are the two things that Paul says that he does? First, he establishes that he hasn't apprehended it. But the thing that he will do is forget the things that are behind. Number one, forget the things that are behind. Say that with me. Forgetting the things that are behind. That was really good. Let's try it again. Say, forgetting those things which are behind. And say this, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Ready? Reaching forward to those things that are ahead. Two things he says that he does. So I ask myself a question, why should I forget the things that are behind? Because Paul's trying to say there's no turning back. Once we make a decision for Christ, there's no turning back. What are the two reasons and why is it important to not look behind? Because the things that are behind us, can distract us, can't they? Whether they be good or bad. Think about that for a second. The things that are behind us can distract us. Whether whatever's behind us may be good or bad. Because looking into the past keeps us from looking to the future. Can, I want you to try to do this right now. I want you to look back. Just everyone look back. But try, and, and, and I want you at the same time, I want you to see if you can look forward at the same time. No, you'd have to like split your head in half and put like one eyeball. It's just gross. It gets really weird. You can't do both at the same time. You can't look back and still look forward. Oh, here's what may happen too. Some people are just stuck in looking back when life's in front of you. Or, some people are like this. Constantly looking back, constantly looking forward. No, he says just look forward to the finish line. Right? 
And what is in the past that could keep us paralyzed? Well, how about our failures? Let's just always think about where we failed. Let's just think all the time about our mistakes. Let's think about all the time about our sins. Let's, let's just live there. That's not what God wants. You and I have failed. You and I have sinned. You and I have committed mistakes, errors, messed up, flubbed up, however you want to say it. And you can't live in the past. So get up, dust yourself off, and start moving forward. And leave the past in his grace and forgiveness. Oh well, you blew it. Who hasn't? There are some mistakes I've made in my life in the past that I thought I would never recover from. That just might be me. But it's not a lie from the pit of hell. Because we have a loving and forgiving Father. You can get up. You can ask for forgiveness. And you can move on. Because he's a God of not just the first chance. He's a God of the second and the third and the fourth. But the point of them trying to say on is we cannot look to our past failures because they will paralyze us. And let's consider Paul for a moment. If Paul were to look back, one of his greatest failures was that he once persecuted the church. He was actually going to go do that when the Lord found him. And he wrestled with that the rest of his life because I believe when he talks about the thorn in the flesh, and he asked God to remove it. It was very uncomfortable for him. I believe, according to the passage in the context in, in Corinthians, he says that it was this messenger of Satan continually buffeted him. What did the messenger of Satan continue bother him about? The fact that he had persecuted the church. And the Lord said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. Move on! Satan would trap you and paralyze you and having you feel guilty and bitter and resentment all your life for your past. Move on! He wants to rent space for free in your mind. The Lord says, I will forgive you. Your sins will be as far as east is from west. Never to be considered or brought up again. Thank Him for that. And move on. And if you're going to think about the past, only the lesson that was learned from the mistake should be considered. Yeah, some people are always looking back. Paul, if he had thought about what he had done and how he persecuted Christians, he would live in perpetual guilt and bitterness and anger and, and even maybe even hatred of himself. And some people are always looking back. They can't get over what happened last year or what happened five years ago. And some people can't even get over what happened 20 years ago. Stuck. Paralyzed. That's why Paul says, forgetting those things that are past. Oh, man. She hurt me. Or he fired me. Or they looked at me wrong. Oh, my goodness. The company used me. And abused me. I'm angry and frustrated. And that's how I want to stay. Boo-hoo all the rest of my life. 
Okay, go for it. Or do what God says, forgetting the past. And another reason why looking back in the past is not good for us. Because let's think for a minute, maybe you have great accomplishments. Maybe you have three or four degrees hanging on your wall. Trophies and ribbons and accolades and laurels in which you may think then that because of all the good things you may have accomplished in the past, that you've arrived. And you have an arrogance about you and a pride that will paralyze you. So either way, good or bad, the past is of no use. Except if it motivates us to move forward. Right? Maybe if we committed again something wrong in the past, our past can condemn us perpetually into a place of paralysis. But if we've done good stuff by His grace, maybe it'll puff us up in a place of pride, which also paralyzes us. Right? So the only option is to do what Paul said to do forget the past. Not going to dwell on that anymore. Not going to be tripped up by that anymore. I'm not going to be puffed up or braggadocious about the successes and achievements. I'm not going to be confused about the past anymore. I'm going to leave it behind me and I'm going to leave it in the Lord's hands and I'm going to press toward the mark that's in front. Yeah. It says reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to move forward to what's ahead because God is good. That's why. I'm excited for tomorrow. I'm excited for 2024 because I want to hit and continue to run toward the finish line. He says in verse 14, I press toward the goal. Underline goal. If you have a Bible, one underline it. That's an important word. I'll give it to you in a minute. For what? For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, our call from God moves us up. The voice of our enemy, the accuser of the brethren, moves us down. So who are you listening to? The call of God moves us up. Upward, it's a, to a, toward a prize. The voice of our enemy moves us down. His objective is to, to still kill and destroy. So we have a choice, don't we? It's in our, in our power to choose Christ or not. So Paul uses the analogy here, as I mentioned earlier. The word goal simply could be translated from the Greek, which is the word skopos, which is S-K-O-P-O-S. It refers to the finish line in a race. So I press toward the finish line in the race. Erase the word goal and put in, I press toward the finish line of the race. That's what he's saying. The finish line. You know the little ribbon they put? You're like, I know, I know by looking at me. A round mound pastor, you know, panda panza, 
right? I know. I didn't look like a runner, but I was once in junior high, one of the best in this county. And I love breaking the ribbon. Yes, it's been a long time ago. But that's the goal in our race is to break through the ribbon, the finish line. We're going to make it if we keep our, our eyes on Christ. So he says, I press toward the goal, which is the finish line. And by pressing to, toward the goal, what Paul is saying that God gives us when we have that mindset, that, that mentality, that attitude, is that it gives us a purpose. The scriptures are clear. It says, without a vision, the people perish. Our vision should be the finish line. He's aiming toward that goal. We should all be aiming to what's in front of us, what God has for us in front of us. Let me give you a little story. And hopefully this comes together. I found this in one of my studies. When Spain was a world power in the 15th century... Her coins reflected her national arrogance and were inscribed with these words, ne plus ultra, which means nothing further. Spain believed that they were the last point on a map, that they were the end. So like if you were to travel from the Mediterranean towards Spain, when you hit Spain in the Straits of Gibraltar, you, that was it. There was nothing else. There's no more land. We're the end. So they had on their coins, ne plus ultra, which means nothing further. Thinking that they were the ultimate in all the world. The last place on earth before the vast sea in front of them which we know as the Atlantic. After the discovery of the New World, <laughs> Christopher Columbus and so on, maybe, and it appears that the Vikings may have discovered America first, except for they didn't colonize her. She, that is Spain, after the discovery of the real world, Spain realized that she was not the end of the world. So Spain had to change the inscription on their coins. And they changed it to plus ultra, meaning more beyond. And they thought they were the end. And they discover, after the new world discover, that there's more beyond. And so in the same pattern, I believe, we as Christians need to, uh, we'll either say there's nothing beyond, or we can say there's more beyond. There is more beyond today. There is more beyond, if God's willing, 2024. Do you want to get a hold of it? Then you've got to walk after Christ. So the prize that he's mentioning here, the upward call of God in Christ Jesus at the end of verse 14, is the blessings and rewards of the age to come. Especially in the age to come, in the world to come, if you will, is that we will be in perfect fellowship eternally with Jesus. That's the prize. And that's what we should be pursuing. 
trying to lay hold of the reason why he laid hold of us. And then Paul would go on to say in the last couple of verses, this is like a conclusion. He says, therefore, and, and anytime you see the word therefore, you have to ask yourself why it's therefore. Why is it therefore? This next part. Let us, speaking to the church, right? As many as are mature. Now, it's a funny word. The word mature here is the same word as perfected earlier. So perfection really means maturity. As we mature, as we grow up in our faith, he says, have this mind. Let's have this attitude, this perspective. As a church, I would love for us to have this, what I just preached about, as our mindset, to borrow from education today, which is overusing it. Now the football players are saying it. Oh, how did you win the game? Oh, we had this mindset to block harder than they hit us, them harder than they hit us. Oh, okay. Hit the ball further than they hit it. Pitch the ball faster. than That's our mindset. Everybody has a mindset, but it means an attitude or a perspective. Perspective means everything. Or as to borrow from the cliche, attitude determines your altitude. All right? Let's have this mind and if anything you think, if any of you think otherwise, what, there might be someone in here that thinks differently than what we just preached? Well, then that's God's dealings with you. That's what he says. Let, God will reveal even this to you. But maybe you don't agree with me, which in turn, you don't agree with Paul, which in turn means you don't agree with the Holy Spirit who inspired Paul to write this. Well, that's okay. God will convince you one day. You can pray for that. There's nothing wrong. I don't, I don't get it. Okay. Ask God to show it to you. Ask God to reveal this to you. See, I don't worry as a pastor. My job is just to preach. I'm just a messenger boy. Not my message. It's his. So I don't worry about the results. I'd like to see the results. Be kind of, kind of cool, right? All my efforts. Oh, wow, man. Yeah. Good to see Sarah with such a wonderful smile. Right? Good to see you here, right? Pursuing Christ. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained. So there are some things that we have already accomplished. In other words, we've already reached some goals. We've already matured some, grown some in Christ. Great. Let us walk by the same rule then. Let's keep keeping on. Let's keep keeping on. Right? And let us be of the same mind. Let's have the right attitude. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can wake up every morning and know it's a new day and a new start. And literally, as Paul wrote, forget the past. Oh, we may have done some good, we may have done more bad, who knows? It's different for all of us. But it doesn't matter what we did. It only matters where we're going today. And that's forward. And that is to, grit, to get a hold of, to reach the finish line. And we know, Lord, that's only possible by your grace, but we've made it to today, so here we are. We are evidence of your faithfulness because we've made it to today. And wherever you take us in the future is also proof of your grace, of your love and your mercy for us. Help us to have a little urgency.
desire to reach the finish line, to grab a hold of and understand of the reason why you grabbed a hold of us. I thank you, Father, for everyone that's here. I ask you to bless them in the year to come and to bless Cross Point Community Church. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.